0: All right, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. We're going to be kicking off a series this month entitled Thankful. Uh, Thankful, you can see there with the spelling, it's talking about being full of thanks. And I believe that God uh, desires that we would always increase in our thanksgiving and our thankfulness, uh, ultimately to Him and all the things that He's done in our life. Having an an attitude of gratitude, having a a posture, an an attitude of thanksgiving is so powerful. And we're going to be spending some time this month as we look at that. So let's look at the series verse uh, tonight uh, for the entire month. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. The Bible says this. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. There's so much said in that passage here as I just kind of lay the groundwork of this series. And, you know, anyone that thinks that, you know, you, you could just accept Christ and, 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 and go about your business and, and just, just continue in the life that, that you desire, the Bible says something different. Now, we understand that, that salvation uh, comes to us, and if we just open up our hearts, we receive the gift of salvation. Why? Because of the price that Jesus paid. Isn't that true tonight? We're here this evening enjoying all the blessings of God, enjoying this Holy Ghost service that we just had, enjoying the presence of God. Why? Because the price has been paid for us. Now, there is a process involved. The Bible says, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus as your Lord. it does. The scripture, it doesn't stop there. It's not about us just accepting Jesus and just going out and, and forgetting about the decision and the commitment we made. No, there's more to it, and we're blessed if we follow through it. And, the, and with this scripture here, it says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And the key word is continue. That's what we're doing tonight. Those of us that have had a, a perhaps a rough Wednesday at work, you struggled, whatever it may have been, but it's, it's cold outside, right? You may have wanted just to, to bundle up in the covers and enjoy a, a, a hot a bowl of soup and, and perhaps just see what's on TV. No, but but the Bible says we continue to follow him. It's about getting up. It's about another day deciding, Lord, I'm going to follow you today. Perhaps yesterday I had a bad day, or today I had a bad day at work, or it was a struggle, but God, I'm gonna continue to follow you. See, there's something so powerful in the process of continuing to follow Him. We're talking about being thankful tonight. And then it goes on in verse 7 let your roots grow down into Him. So we're talking about continuing. Now it's talking about roots growing. How many of us, we look at the trees outside or we look at the plants, it's not an overnight process. If something is going to grow and grow in a way that it would remain, the the roots are going to have to grow deep, and that's a process, process of time. Plant, tree has to be watered, has to be nourished, time has to pass. Again, it's not just... Something that we do once, but we let God continue to move in our lives. So we continue to follow him. We let our roots grow down into him. And it says, let your lives be built on him. So continue. It's talking about roots. Now it's talking about being built on him. Being built. Again, a process. Right? Sometimes we want change. We want it to happen overnight. And sometimes it will. In some aspects of our lives and some things that happen, it will happen quickly. But other things... It's a process of building. Perhaps you're in this place. You might be in a rocky, uh, 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 a rocky patch in your marriage or, or going through certain things in relationships. There's a process of building that God wants to do in our lives. So we can't throw in the towel. There's a process going on. We have to be faithful. And I remember a few years back, the, uh, the bridge that was being built, the five freeway, the, freeway, the whole expansion of that uh, over Imperial right there next to, to Pioneer. It was a long process, and I remember um, you know, bringing my daughter to school, and she's in fifth grade now, but I remember as a kindergartner, and it, you know, that, was, that was the, the path that we would take here to, to drop her off at the school. And every day, some days it seems like nothing was transpiring. And, and, and how many know when things are under construction, it's, it's not the most sightly thing, right? Things are dirty, and, it, and it's not the most sightly thing. But as the days pass, as the weeks pass, as the months pass, as the years pass, this bridge was continually being built, and now it's, it's finished. There's no more scaffolding. There are no more construction workers there. There's no more traffic there. It's nice and open. It's a brand-new bridge. But it took a process of time, and it was a matter of years, I don't want to do something powerful in our our lives, but there's a building process. And the Bible says, and your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So as we let this process transpire, we'll overflow with thankfulness. So tonight, if we can, let's pray, let's bow our heads as we ask God to help us uh, this evening. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for this blessed opportunity, Lord, that we have to come into your presence, God. Father, first and foremost, we're so grateful, God. We're thankful tonight for the sacrifice, Lord, that you made for us, my God. We thank you for the calling, Lord God. Father, that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you reached out to us, Father God. Lord Jesus, that you died for us, that you loved us so much, O God, that you gave your only son. And Father, we're grateful tonight for the process. We're grateful for all that you've done in our lives, God. And we know that you're not done with us. But, Father, we thank you from where you brought us from, and we thank you for the work that you're continuing in our lives. And, Lord God, we just dedicate the rest of the service to you. Have your way, we ask in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Amen. So we're talking about being thankful tonight, and the sermon title for this evening as we look at at this series is The Nine Who Missed Thanksgiving. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And as you turn there... I read an article regarding, uh, as we're talking about being thankful, about scientifically proven benefits of gratitude that will motivate you to give thanks year-round. Right? We're celebrating Thanksgiving this month, but it's something we should do year-round. Now listen to this. It said these, this is out of Forbes magazine, uh, Scientifically Proven Benefits of Gratitude. It said that gratitude can open the door to more relationships in our lives. It says that showing appreciation can help you make new friends. So having an attitude of gratitude, of of thankfulness, can open the door to more relationships. Secondly, it can improve physical health. How many can say amen to that? Just simply being thankful can help improve your health. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains, and they report feeling healthier than other people. That's interesting. Other things... uh, Thankfulness increases empathy and reduces aggression. We need that during the traffic hour. Can you say amen? Uh, grateful people sleep better. Thank God for that. Uh, gratitude improves self esteem, it also increases mental strength. It can play a major role in overcoming trauma. So, we're going to learn about the spiritual aspects of why we should be grateful and thankful. Uh, but these are just some physical aspects that science has proven. It's interesting. So tonight, the nine who missed Thanksgiving, the Bible says in Luke 17, verse 11, the Bible says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, this is what they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, the Bible says, as they went, this is key, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. That's good news tonight. Can you say amen? Thank you, Jesus. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we want to look tonight at God's desire. This scripture is so powerful because it shows the heart of Jesus, the the heart of God to help humanity, to bring healing to others. Now, I don't know about you. I know sometimes we get busy, right? And we could just, wherever we're going, we can make a beeline. We're so mission-minded sometimes. We can make a beeline to our destination. And sometimes we're so busy that, that we don't look to the left and to the right, right? We don't, we don't notice others. Or, or, or we may be so busy that others may feel that, man, this, this, this person just, just passed me up. But I think about Jesus. Imagine if that's what he was about. Jesus was focused. He understood why he came to this earth. He understood his mission. If there was anyone that understood purpose and mission and focus, it was Jesus. But don't you thank God that while he was on his destination, that while he was accomplishing his father's business, that he stopped and he took notice of you and I. Can you say amen? Isn't that good news? Jesus took notice of you in the place that you were at in your life, when you were down and out, when you were struggling, when, when perhaps other people shunned you and, and, and they, just, just, they just gave you up. Jesus took notice of you and I. That's good news. When others rejected us, Jesus took notice of us. When others dissed us, Jesus took notice of us. He thought of us. He considered us. See, he was on his way somewhere. He had a mission, but he took notice. Could have easily avoided the lepers. It was inconvenient for him to change path. Perhaps, you know, they didn't have cars back then, so he was walking everywhere. Perhaps he was tired. Perhaps he felt he had to get somewhere before sundown. Perhaps he was hungry. Who knows what was going on physically, but he let his heart be sensitive to what God wanted to do in their lives. So he could have easily avoided them. He could have easily avoided you and I, brother and sister. He could have gone the other way. He could have turned his back. But we look at the path that Jesus took here in Luke 17 in our text in verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance. Now there's a lot here. One commentary says this, that Christ who came to take away sin and turn away wrath took particular care to cleanse the lepers that fell his way. Christ was now in his way to Jerusalem. Okay, so he was, he was on a mission to get to Jerusalem. About the midway where he had little acquaintance in comparison with what he had either at Jerusalem or in Galilee, right? He, he was familiar with Jerusalem. He was familiar with Galilee, but not so much this path that he was taking physically, He was now in the frontier country, the marches that lay between Samaria and Galilee. He went that road to find out these lepers and to cure them. For he is found of them that sought him not. The lepers were there in dire straits, perhaps a place of depression. They were outcasts they were not part of society anymore and perhaps they thought that their lot in life was done that this was this was all that was going to take place and they were going to die in a state of loneliness just the 10 of them all alone they were banished but here comes jesus on the scene and we think about our lives i think about my life as a young boy you you've many of you have heard my testimony how Within the span of a year or two, God just radically changed my life. And as I look back now, I see how God is a perfect orchestrator of events and situations, all for the purpose of drawing me to Him. And why did He do it? Because He loved me. He loved me. He had a purpose and has a purpose for my life. He desires to know me, and He desires that, that, and He knows me well, and, and He desires that I would know Him and learn to know Him. He desires, as the Bible says, to prosper me, right? And this is not just for me. This is for all of us, church. Plans to, to give me a hope, a future, and an expected end. Plans not to harm me. This is God's desire, and I thank God for his mercy that, that while I wasn't thinking about him at all, that he reached his hand out to me, and he said, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I want to redeem you. I want to heal you. I want to help you. If you would just call unto me. And that's, that's God's plan, and many of us in this sanctuary tonight, and those that are watching online, we've experienced that. But perhaps you're in this place, and you're lost. You're without direction, and, and, and through some r- miracle, you're here tonight visiting with us and hearing the, the, the message, the good news of the gospel, and the, the message for you is, is that there's hope for you. That all is not lost. That you may feel that, that, that you're at the end of your rope and there's no more hope for you. But the, the good news is tonight is that there is hope for you. And it's not an accident that you're hearing the gospel tonight. It's not an accident that you've tuned in to this YouTube channel tonight or, or on Facebook. It's not an accident. God has a plan and a purpose for you. He is found of them that sought him not. Now, what's interesting about this story and what's powerful when we think about the 10 lepers, leprosy was just a horrible disease. One, they were banished away from society. Society didn't want them around anymore because they were contagious. They had this physical ailment, this sickness, this disease. So what was society's answer? Well, just banish them. Get them out of our sights. That's how some of us may feel tonight whether you're in here physically or you're hearing my voice online, you may feel banished. That society has rejected you. Society has, has, has said, I, we wash our hands of you. But God has not said that. God has said there is hope. God has said, I have not banished you. There is hope for your life. I have a plan and a purpose for you. These lepers were banished from society. Secondly, they had to deal with a physical ailment, this horrible disease physically. In the physical realm, they they were struggling with leprosy and it was such a horrible disease where even members of of their bodies would just fall off because of, of this disease. So physically, they were down and out and they were dealing with this disease. They were shunned by society. And I think one of the most dire things about this disease is that it says it was believed particularly in the times of the Old Testament That those with leprosy were stricken by God because of some sin in their lives. So they were spiritually poor and deprived. One commentary says this, The leprosy was a disease which the Jews supposed to be inflicted for the punishment of some particular sin and to be, more than other diseases, a mark of God's displeasure. See, that was the belief system that was taking place. So imagine what they were going through, these lepers. Down and out, no hope, banished from society, physically struggling, physical disease, internally, emotionally, they, they, they were stricken. And then above all that, thinking and believing they, that they were stricken by God because of sin in their life. Imagine the state of mind that they were in. So the good news, when they saw Jesus, have you ever been in a place like that? Man, that you felt you needed saving. Maybe there's someone that that came around the corner. You're like, oh, thank God that they're here. Or thank God the situation is changing. How many of us ever felt like that? So that's how these these lepers felt times a million. When they saw Jesus, he's our hope. He's the one that could help us. I heard about Jesus. I heard he does miracles. And so they called out to him. See, the rescuees are alone and helpless, and they're just waiting for someone to rescue. You know, I remember when I was younger, I, was, uh, I did some growing up uh, there in Big Bear in the local mountains here of Big Bear, and I remember um, I was a young boy. I was probably in second or third grade, and there was a tree right outside of our house. And, and I started to climb it, right? And I just wanted to go higher and higher and higher, and I, and I started. I was doing good, right? It's one thing to climb up a tree, right? You know where I'm going with this. I got up there and I got to the very top. I got way up there. And as a second or third grader, if you ask me, that tree was four or five hundred feet. But in reality, it was probably 30 feet, 25 feet. But to me, it seemed like I was up there. And as as I got up there, I was enjoying the view. I was proud of my accomplishment and what I did. But as I started to try and and see how I was going to get down from this tree, it seems like things changed see, when you're climbing something, when you're going one way, it's, it's easy, you know, but, but there's a, a different physical dynamic that, that transpires when you have to climb down something. It's not as easy. And I was up there. What am I going to do? I was lost. I was without hope. I didn't know how I was going to get down. But I had an older brother. Mike, my brother, if you're watching this, I uh, thank you today for this. He went up. My older brother, my hero, my older brother Mike went up and he and he he went up there and he met me and he helped me down. Step by step, he showed me the branches. Told, "All right, you're going to you're going to do this. You're going to take this step. You're going to take that step. You're going to do this. You're going to do that." And and Step by step, I was able to get down. But I needed rescuing. That was just one aspect, one, one situation in my life. I, I was without hope. By myself, I couldn't have gotten down, and I would have stood up there. See, we needed rescuing. In our sin, in our, sick, in our sickness, in our, in our condition, in our, in our situation, we weren't able to save ourselves. Can you say amen? We're not able to deliver ourselves. We're not able to overcome these situations in our lives without God's help. They're, that's just the way God built us. We're physically, we're, we're weak. We're, we're, we're people that, are, that have a sin nature and without God's help, we're nothing. Now look at in Exodus chapter 3, where people that needed saving, Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, and the Lord told him, talking about the children of Israel and him wanting to save them out of the the oppressed hand of Pharaoh. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress. Thank you, Jesus. Because of their harsh slave drivers, yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. This is a good news for you and I, church. Believer, brother, and sister, you hear my voice tonight. This is a good news. God says, I've come down to rescue you. You may feel that there's no hope. You may feel that you've made one too many mistakes. Your family may have banished you. Your friends may have banished you. Those that, that you thought were close to you may have banished you. But I'll tell you what, as long as there is breath in your lungs, the Bible says there's hope for you and I. Isn't that good news tonight? Thank you, Jesus. We needed rescuing. As we look at our text in Luke 17, 14, There's an element here of obedience that was taking place when they asked Jesus to heal them. Verse 13, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Then in verse 14, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. You know, what's powerful here is that Jesus, by his power, could have, snapped his fingers, healed them, and, and then they could have went about their way and on about their business. But he gave them clear instruction to go and show themselves to the priests. See, they probably could have been struggling uh, internally. Like, if, if you're Jesus, then why do I have to do that? Why, why have you given me instruction? You're, you're the king of kings and Lord of lords, right? Why can't you just raise your hand over me? and say, I'm healed, and then I go about my business. No, obedience was a key. Remember the story of Naaman in the Old Testament? And he needed healing, and the prophet told him, okay. And the prophet didn't even come himself and have a face-to-face time. This, Naaman was a powerful man, and he wanted to have some face time with the prophet, but the prophet just sent his word through his messenger and said, told Naaman, just go into, into the river and dip yourself seven times, and then you'll be cleansed. And Na- Naaman was like, who am I? Someone that's important. The prophet—he should have made an appointment with me to come and give me an instruction. He—he could have waved his hand over me, and I should have been healed. But no, he's given me this weird instruction to go dip myself seven times. To name it, it was crazy. And the river that God told him to go uh, do—that the prophet said to go do that in—was not a—it's not a good river. It was dirty. It's like if your instruction was to go, you know, go into the San Gabriel Riverbed there or go to Marano Beach and dip yourself seven times and then you get your healing, we would put on the brakes. And sometimes when God desires to heal us, we may receive instruction that, that is counterintuitive to us, to, that, that, that may not go along with our feelings. Perhaps you're believing for some healing in your marriage and you, re, re, you have received instruction, godly instruction, to do this or to do that. And, and, and to you and to your feelings, it doesn't make sense. But in faith, in obedience, if you'll heed the word of God, the instruction that's spoken into our lives and to all of our lives, I believe we'll be blessed. Some of us desire healing. I believe instruction, godly instruction, has come into our life, but perhaps because it's too hard or too difficult or it doesn't feel good, we've put that on the shelf. And, and if that's you in this place, you, you know, the Holy Spirit is ministering right now. You've put it on the shelf because it's just too difficult. Well, God says, I desire to heal you, but you have to be obedient. See, He told these lepers, Go and show yourself to the priests. As a test of their obedience, also as a testimony to the priests about who Jesus was. So we have to be obedient, church. It's so critical in our lives. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, as they went, in the process of their obedience, as they went, they were healed. Perhaps you've suffered some hardship in relationships or you've suffered some hardships in your marriage or work and you know the right thing to do. And you know what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. And I believe as you go... As you take that first step of obedience, I believe God is going is to move powerfully in that situation. God is going to touch the heart of that person. God is going to change that situation as you go, as you take that first step of obedience, even though it's difficult, even though it's a struggle, even though it doesn't make sense, as you take that step of, step of obedience, God is going to move supernaturally. But obedience is key. So we understand God's desire is to bring healing. And we're talking about being thankful. Thank you, Jesus, that he desires to heal and deliver us. We understand that obedience is key in our lives. We have to look at the source of our healing. We have to take notice of what he's done for us, church. Not only take notice of what he's done, but not forget what he's done. And I I say this and I speak... And this applies to all of us, but particularly to those of us that may have been here for many, many years. See, sometimes we can forget where we came from. Sometimes we can uh, look down on others because we've forgotten where we came from. We forgot that that at one time we were in their shoes. We can never forget, ever can never forget. We understand and we have to always know and recognize He is a source of our healing. Now the Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 1, it says "A Psalm of David, it says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. We're talking about being thankful. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Thank you, Jesus. How many remember the good things he's done for you? Can I say amen? Who can testify that? Can I see some hands? Who remembers the good things he's done in your life? The deliverance, the healing. Without him, some of you wouldn't be here tonight. Physically, you wouldn't be here. He's healed you Physically. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, thank you Jesus. He heals all my diseases, that's for someone tonight. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things, thank you Jesus. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Someone claim that tonight, claim it. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Thank you, Jesus. Remember, remember every day that he's the reason. He's the reason you have what you have. He's the reason you have your beautiful and crazy children. He's the reason you have your job. He's the reason you have your beautiful wife. Thank you, Jesus. He's the reason why you have your husband. He's the reason why you have your health. He's the reason why you're trustworthy today. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes my voice can't keep up with my spirit. Thank you, Lord. Remember, he protected me. He saved me. He called me by my name. He called you by your name. He cleansed you. Look at you. Here in your right mind. Look at you dressed up, smelling good, able to smile. Faithful. Work in progress. Thank you, Jesus. He's the source. Now, in verse 15 of our text, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, here's the key. He came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Now, we understand everything taking place, right? It makes sense what's happening here. One person was grateful. Praise God, right? He came. He had a heart of gratitude. The other nine, we don't know where they were at, but they went about their business but one came back to thank God. And this is so key. But look at the, the, the last part of that passage. It says, this man was a Samaritan. Now, this just makes this story so much sweeter. And let me tell you why here with, with a few points. He was a Samaritan. Now, why were Samaritans hated so much by the Jewish people? That's the question. Because the Jewish people, God's chosen people, And the Samaritans, there was like oil and water. It said that the Samaritans, being a mix of already spiritually corrupt Israelites and pagan foreigners, created a religion for themselves that the Jews considered heresy. See, we have Jesus. He was Jewish. We understand that, right? But here is the man he he healed, and that came back to give him thanks. He was a Samaritan. The Samaritans established as a center of worship a temple on, Mar- on Mount Gerizim, claiming it was where Moses had originally intended for the Israelites to worship. They had their own unique version of the five books of, uh, written by Moses, the Pentateuch, but rejected the writings of the prophets and Jewish traditions. Get that, right? So, there, so as a Jewish sees the Samaritans, they're mixed, they're mixed up. The Samaritans saw themselves as the true descendants of Israel and preservers of the true religion while considering the Jerusalem temple and Levitical priesthood illegitimate. To to state these things to the Jewish people would be heresy. It would be crazy to say these things. When the Jews returned to rebuild Jerusalem, they were opposed by the Samaritans in the book of Nehemiah. This led to further ill will as the two sects were established in the land of opposition to one another. To the Jews, listen to this, a Samaritan was more revolting than a Gentile, a pagan. Samaritans were half-breeds who defiled the true religion. So it's so, it's so poetic how the Word of God puts, puts it when, when this, this one man, one out of the ten, came back to give Jesus thanks. It says that he was a Samaritan. Man, we see the grace of God all over this. You and I, Gentiles, not chosen as God's elect. If Jesus didn't come in the picture, we, we were outcasts. But because of Jesus coming and dying for us, and because of us accepting him, we're now able to receive the same promises as the Jewish nation receives. We're, we're now able to receive to be, to be heirs of the kingdom, just as they are. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus, thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for calling us, Lord. We thank you for seeing us. We thank you for for loving us. See, it says this man was a Samaritan. It's such a beautiful story. And he was the one that fell down to the ground at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And, you know, this is beautiful because this is a powerful passage for those that feel that you can't even come into God's presence. Perhaps you're hearing my voice online and and you haven't stepped in church physically because of what you've done or the trespasses or sins that you've committed. The Samaritan, he was an outcast. In the eyes of of the Jewish nation, they 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 were less than zero. But Jesus saw them important enough and received the praise that this Samaritan gave. So if you could hear my voice, if there is breath in your lungs, there is hope for you. There is hope for change. There is hope for you to be delivered, to be forgiven. And I said it before, all is not lost. There is hope for you if you would just receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you would receive the forgiveness that he has for you, you could be forgiven. You could be redeemed you could be changed your deliverance can happen if you would just receive the gift of salvation that's found in Christ Jesus so as i close as our worship team makes their way up in luke 17 verse 17 jesus asked didn't i heal 10 men where are the other nine has no re- no one returned to give god glory to god uh, to give glory to god except this foreigner see so you and i we could easily judge the other nine in this story, right? We would say this would never be me. I would never be in this place. If Jesus healed me, then I would come 100% come back to him. But I think in, in, in some ways you and I can relate to the other nine. And if we're not careful, we could stay there. When God has blessed us, when God has redeemed us, sometimes we can forget Sometimes we could take credit for the success that, that we're experiencing in our lives. We could put ourselves up on a pedestal and we forget that, that it was the Lord Jesus that, that healed us and he's the one that saved us. Sometimes we use the freedom that he's given us, the freedom that, the, 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 the peace of mind, the state of mind he's given us. Sometimes we use that to go out and to fulfill our own selfish ambitions and we forget about him. That's what the lepers did. So be careful, believer, and I gotta tell myself this, be careful when I, when I look at this story and I judge them. Oh, they forgot, they forgot about God. some time or another, I think we've all been guilty of this. And You know when it comes out? Sometimes it comes out in our attitudes. It comes, down, it comes out in the way that we look at other people. We forget, sometimes. God, I was down and out, man. Lord, I was so far from you. God, I was I was in the pit. Sometimes we can look down on people because we're we're changed, we're redeemed, we're saved. We smell good, we have things going on. But church let us never forget. And I believe as we keep this attitude as we're grateful, as we're thankful, each and every day. I think it keeps us in a a state of humility where we need to be. Not beating ourselves up, because we're a prized possession. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're not talking about being beat up and downcast and and saying, oh, I'm just such a failure. No, you speak life into your, your life. You speak words of blessing over your life according to God's word, but we do it in a state of gratitude of thankfulness, of humility. So the next time that I want to look down on someone because of their mistake, or I want to look down on them because I I feel that I'm so much higher up, I don't have to look far to remember where he's brought me from. And each and every day how his long suffering there, man, how he forgives me. Even as a believer, making mistakes, thinking things, saying things I shouldn't. God's here to forgive me. I always have to be grateful and humble in my demeanor as i as i treat others i have to esteem them above myself why because the word of god says these nine lepers i believe they felt entitled in a way they felt that this was perhaps jesus's responsibility and he owed it to them perhaps they felt entitled and believer let us never feel entitled be humble be grateful When someone close to you is struggling pray for them encourage them thank God that that you're not in that place but but offer help pray for them empathize with them and as we carry ourselves like that I believe that we're worshiping God I believe that God is blessed because we have a thankful attitude and it's gonna come out in our lives people are gonna want to hear about the good news that you experience, because I see your life, that you're grateful, that you're blessed, but you're grateful, that you're blessed, but you're humble, that everything that you have comes because of what Jesus did in your life and what he did in my life. So it's God's desire to heal. We have to be obedient in our lives, we have to be grateful We have to understand that he's the source of our healing and the question goes on who will return to give god give god glory let it be you and i that each and every day we'll we'll come to the feet of jesus and say god i thank you lord thank you for healing me lord not only in november lord am i going to thank you i'm going to thank you all 12 months of the year every day of the year God I'm gonna thank you for what you've done for me God because you've been graceful you've been merciful to my life thank you Jesus let's give God praise in this place hallelujah father we're grateful tonight God for your mercy God thank you Lord for your long suffering for your patience God thank you for the plan of salvation Lord thank you Jesus for dying for us thank you Oh God for loving us hallelujah with every head bowed every eye closed tonight